Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show and I have a really fun guest for you today and I'm going to talk about a few of the things that really make me excited. This gentleman has a passion for service excellence and has consulted with organisations all around the world on the subject. His customer service abilities were born and developed over 20 years with Walt Disney World and in his last year with that business, his leadership performance was ranked in the top 3% of the company's leadership team. He's now a full-time speaker, trainer, and consultant, and is dedicated to helping organizations achieve their goals in the area of customer service, employee development, and leadership. He's also the author of two best-selling business books, Lessons from the Mouse and Unleashing Excellence. Please welcome Dennis Snow. Dennis, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Oh, it's a, it's an absolute pleasure. I think Lessons from the Mouse is one of those books which I, you know, whenever I'm asked to to put a list together, I've got to tell you, it's always on there for people. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, my retirement appreciates that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think you've got a few years to go, haven't you? Yeah, but, a few. Uh, just, just a few. Yeah, yeah. So when did you when did you stop working full time for for Disney? Well, I, I left Disney in 1999. I, I was there for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I started in 1979 working on the rides as an attractions operator, like most people do. Right. Uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a ride there, an attraction called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yes. It's, yes. it's not there anymore, yep. but my that was my first job, was driving the submarine. It's still the best job I've ever had. Right. Uh, driving the submarines there. <laughs> and I was I was 19 years old, and I say sub I should put submarines in quotes, and that it yeah. never actually went underwater. But uh, and then I managed different operating areas around the company. I worked at the Disney University, uh, managing the Disney University where they do the internal training mm -hmm. for the company. And then we spun off a division called the Disney Institute, where companies would benchmark with Disney on best practices about service and leadership and so forth. And I did that for the, the last few years I was with Disney. I was with the Disney Institute uh -huh. and then started up my own company in 1999. So I've, so I've been doing this now for 20 years. Well, fantastic! It's um, you know, if, I was just saying to you before we went on air, if you know, if you wanted to get me talking about any subject under the sun, you know, Disney would be one that you'd probably have a hard time shutting me up. That <laughs> that motorcycles and guitars, and you know, we're, we're done forever. But it's um, it's a wonderful, wonderful organization, and and it brings a lot of joy and a lot, a lot of happiness to people. Um, it's also one of those businesses when we when we mention customer service, then it's pretty much one of the the first mentioned, uh, right? And so it's a bit of a cliche these days, isn't it? Well, I, I guess I was also saying, you know, if I, I'd love to be that big a cliche, but it's a fantasy, isn't it? A, a theme park. What could what you know? What can we really learn from a business like Disney in the real world? Yeah, and part of me struggles a little bit with this because I, I hate to 
peel the fantasy away, but right. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. Right, right. It is, yeah, it, it is. It, it, to the guests, it feels like a fantasy, but it has the same issues, the same challenges uh, that every other organization does. And so when you look at Disney's objective, Disney World's objective, and any of the Disney parks, it's to create such a great experience that people can't wait to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Bottom line, that's what they're doing. They're trying to create that intense customer. They call their customers guests. They're trying to create that intense guest loyalty where after that first visit, you say, I can't wait to go back and I'm going to tell everybody about it. Yeah. Now think about every one of your listeners and the businesses that they either own or that they work in. They have the, the exact same objective. So it's about looking at the overall experience that you're trying to create for your customers, executing on that as flawlessly as you can. Nobody does it flawlessly, but as flawlessly as you can so that you become that that cliche, you know, that icon that you mentioned that people say, it's it a, a colleague that I know of. His name is Nito Quibain, Wonderful, mm -hmm. wonderful speaker. He says something that has just resonated with me. He said, "We need to move from brand preference to brand insistence," right. and I love that that philosophy. So that's what Disney's trying to do. Is when it's time for vacation, where are we going? We're going to Disney World, and I think that applies to every single company. And it's not about throwing money at this. It's just about mm -hmm. the way you do things. Well, it's interesting you say that because there is huge choice. You know, if, even in Orlando, there's massive choice. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, th there's well, Universal down the road, fabulous rides, different experience. I think yeah. they, they try. And they do a great job. They do I, a great job. Yeah. I, I, I really love the place, but they, they're not Disney. And so when they do their parades and when they do their other stuff, it's it feels like a bit of a second attempt. Well, the way I think of it, and, and I, I do love Universal and I enjoy going out there. Mm -hmm. Universal is is selling attractions and shows. Yeah, that's really what their product is. Disney, what Disney's saying is they're selling an experience. Mm -hmm. And so that impacts everything from the moment you start planning your trip there to the moment you leave, all of those touch points. So that's really what they focus in on. That's not to take away from Universal, because mm -hmm. again, I think they do a good job. But, but Disney really focuses on that fanatical loyalty that, that people have. Well, that's that's the bit I was trying to kind of get to is what 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 makes it so special in in its world. Well, I think it's because of their attention to detail. Mm -hmm. Is again when you are from the moment you start planning the experience, it begins there, and then when you arrive at the Orlando airport and you take Disney's magical express bus where mm -hmm. it starts and they're showing Disney movies and they're mm -hmm. taking you right in. So it's all started there. The moment you arrive on the property, everything is pristine. It feels magical to the check-in of the hotel, the demeanor of every cast member, you know, they call all of their employees cast members, mm -hmm. that all of that is so carefully crafted to be a part of the experience. And one of the things that I think Disney has done a marvelous job with is engaging their cast members in the fact that they are part of the experience. Mm -hmm. They're not disconnected from it. So that when that person is checking you into the hotel or they're serving you a hamburger 
in one of the theme parks or they're sweeping the streets, they understand, and we can talk about how they do this, they mm -hmm. understand that they're part of that experience. And so they take that very seriously and making sure that, that, that they follow through on that. Well, that, that magic in the detail part, I really love. I, I tell a story in one of my uh, one of my keynotes about seeing someone dusting a plant at the yacht club there, um, mm -hmm. and you know, and it's the it's the things you don't see that produce the magic as well. Um, yeah, but, well, well, you think about the theme parks, for example, how beautiful the flowers are all the time. Mm. Well, that's because you know the evening and early morning before the park opens there are landscapers in there freshening up all of those planters to make sure that every flower looks like it just bloomed and uh, you know all of the, the, well that's all by design they're making sh they're, because again they're focused on those details so but it can't be perfect can it i mean it feels it but it can't be well and it's not it, it Anybody who has been to Disney multiple times, I'm sure, has had examples of service that weren't what you would say Disney service. The critical mass of the experiences are. So, no, it is not perfect. Mm -hmm. And if you have you ever gone into the, any of the backstage areas, taken any of the Disney tours that they no, sometimes no, do? No, it's on, it's, on my, it's on my bucket yeah, list. Do it. Do it. Because, <laughs> and I'll tell, you why, I'll tell you why it's valuable. When you go backstage, you see that it is not perfect, that they have the same issues and challenges. You'll overhear cast members complaining about the the shift that they have to work, their supervisors down on them for something. Mm -hmm. They had an argument with their significant other. They they people call in sick, and where supervisors are scrambling to 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 cover shifts. And so when you look in the backstage environment, you say, man, they, they deal with the same things my restaurant deals with, my my boutique store deals with. They, they deal with exactly the same issues. Right. So it is not perfect. However, the understanding is when you are on stage and they, they're very careful about the designation of on stage and backstage, when you mm -hmm. are on stage, the magic is on and none of those problems exist. Now, again, it doesn't work every single time, but it works most of the time. Well, it's uh, it, it works pretty well for the times I've been there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and, and that's part of it too, is that sometimes those little glitches you are willing to forgive because mm -hmm. the overall experience is typically so positive. Yeah, we talk a lot about, um, particularly on this show, about businesses and how they deal with problems when they occur, because mm -hmm. invariably it will happen. Sure. What's what what happens at Disney? Something goes wrong. It you know you never want it to, but it does. How do yeah. they look after people and, and turn that around? Well, there's a few things, and but I think the most powerful thing is that they really empower their people to take care of problems. Right. So if there's a problem and I'm a frontline cast member and you bring that problem to me, I am empowered to to help you out. So you had a negative experience and I say, you know, I really want I really want to take care of this. I noticed that your child is a big Mickey Mouse fan. Let's go into one of the shops and get a, a Mickey Mouse t-shirt for your child just as a just as an apology for what happened. No questions asked. There's no there's no I've got to run it up the the flagpole to get managers yeah. involved and all of that. So the front line is very empowered to to 
to manage those problems. Sometimes, though, things are escalated where a, a guest is, is so upset that they say, we want to talk to a manager. We mm-hmm. want to talk. To, we want to. We want to talk to Walt Disney. Bring out a couple of candles and a crystal ball. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that would be funny. Actually, yeah. that would be very funny. So, so then when that happens, the idea is that uh, let, let's say I'm a manager now, mm-hmm. and I'm dealing with this disgruntled guest who's legitimately disgruntled about something. Is just to, we first of all we pull them into a private area so that they can vent and not feel embarrassed mm-hmm. about what's going on and just li- listen to what the problem is and do everything that we can to solve the issue now there's some issues you're not going to be able to solve mm-hmm. there, there there's some time you know there's some things that it was raining all day and they came all the way from the UK and it, it was raining during their day at Disney World Mm-hmm. Well, I can't solve that. I can't solve that. But what I can do is make sure that that guest feels that they were listened to, that I empathize with them, and that I wasn't just blowing them off and saying, well, look, it's raining. What can I do about the rain? And perhaps there's some suggestions. You know, what, what attractions haven't you been on yet that you'd like to go on? Right. I would really love to go on the Haunted Mansion. We haven't been on it yet. And well, let's go over there and we'll get you right on the, on the attraction. Yeah. So if there are little touches that we can add to those unsolvable issues, we'll do it. But that's the, so the first thing is frontline, very empowered to handle issues. Mm-hmm. Escalated issues, make sure the guest feels respected, even if there's nothing that we're going to be able to do, make sure that they feel respected and listened to. And then the third thing, if there's a little something that we can do to at least bridge these, the, the, the frustration gap, then mm-hmm. we'll do it. Fabulous. And because the, the, you talk there about empowering employees, and I, I, I love to hear that with businesses. Um, but Empowering employees well means you've got the right people in place in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right back at the beginning, what, during the hiring process, what is it that Disney looks for? What's the special the special source they're trying to find in those people? They're looking for those people who are naturally engaging and truly care about what they do. And it's not about being a bubbly cheerleader type of person. Some people are. Mm-hmm. That comes natural to them. Wonderful great cast members other people they're a little bit more reserved they're mm-hmm. they're a little bit toned down but you can tell from your interactions with them that they're true that they truly care right. that they're very authentic so i guess that's probably the best word is there people who they look for people who are authentically uh passionate about serving people okay. we've all dealt with people who they really are almost resentful about serving people mm-hmm. and they look for people who are passionate about serving people right. so what they've done is they've looked at the various roles within the the company they've defined what the superstar differentiators are the people who really excel at the job and they build the interview process around those qualities so that they're bringing in people who are who are likely to be highly uh, engaged. Okay. Now they don't get it right again. They don't get it right every time, but because they put so much focus on it, they even they even call it the casting 
center. You uh-huh. go to the yeah. casting center yeah. because they want you to know this is show business. Yep. You're being yep. you're not being hired for a job. You're being cast for a role in the show. It's a very different mindset. Absolutely. So that process reinforces that. And uh, again, while it doesn't work every time, it works most of the time. And so when you get people who truly are passionate about taking care of people and serving people, mm-hmm. they will typically do the right thing. So for people listening, because obviously people listen from all different size of businesses, mm-hmm. um, what do, when they're looking at their business and they're thinking, right, okay, I wanted to take some lessons in hiring from Disney. What do I do in my own business? How could I work out the right kind of people for us? Mm-hmm. And then how do we test that while we're meeting them? Yeah. Well, step one is, and I, and I think everybody could do this within minutes, uh, is to sit down with a piece of paper and identify the people in your business you would most likely, you would most love to clone. Right. If I could just clone these folks, <laughs> got you. my life would be so easy. We would just go into the stratosphere with service. And my guess is everybody could do that pretty quickly. Right. And then start defining what is it about those folks? that make them that made them come to mind for me what are the things that they do well they don't wait for the customer to come to them they go to the customer they greet the customer with a genuine and i'm making this up because it'll be different depending on the business but they greet the customer with a genuine greeting that's not canned Uh, they look for opportunities to find out about the customer so that they can tailor the the, their delivery to them so there's certain qualities Mm -hmm. that that will come out from the superstars in your in your business and then you start defining your interview questions your open interview open-ended interview questions to either bring those things out naturally from the applicant mm-hmm. or not. Right. So you say, for example, you say to your, you look at your server superstars and they're great team players. They really engage their, they're, they're, it's not about the equipment. It's about their team. They're, they're very focused on the team. So when you're designing your interview questions, one of them should be around something that would either naturally bring out a focus on team mm-hmm. if they have that in them or not. You know, tell me about the, the, the best tools that you found in delivering great service. Mm-hmm. And somebody naturally says something, well, I really look to my team, my fellow team members and get them involved too. Introduce some of them to the customer, you know, those kinds of things that they naturally bring in those qualities to the discussion. Mm-hmm. But it go the, the, the starting point is, what are you looking for? And I think the, the place to start that is, well, who are my superstars? Right. Right. Fab, uh, yeah, it, um, it makes a lot of sense when you put it so simply. When you, I mean, people, we, I was having a conversation this morning about this, actually, about scale. Now, Disney's obviously a monstrous business with, with you know, arms around the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. When it started, obviously, it wasn't. It's grown out of sight. How do you maintain that quality when you scale? Famously, when Disney mm-hmm. opened in Paris, there were some teething troubles there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so I kind of parts to question, really. So how do you, how do you, how do you scale and maintain that quality? And then when mm. it doesn't go quite right, like it didn't go quite right in Paris, what do you do to fix it? Yeah. So in terms of scale, uh, in terms of scaling it, it again goes back to identifying what makes you successful. 
So when you look at the Disney theme parks, it goes back to it's about the experience and what are the elements of the experience. They made us feel special. It was magical. They paid attention to every detail. There are certain qualities that define the Disney park experience, right? So now in terms of scaling, as you take those core things, those core elements, and you adapt them to wherever in the world you are putting something or wherever in the city you're putting, wherever it is as you're scaling it. But the earlier you can capture what makes, what what your secret sauce is, Mm -hmm. the better, because then you can start to, I use the word enculturate. You can start to enculturate it into the, 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 the organization from the hiring process to the training process, the communication processes, the accountability processes. So the sooner you can start doing that. Mm-hmm. So now when you start scaling it and, and you know, growing as an organization, those things go with you. Now where it, it becomes a challenge, and this was the challenge with, with Paris, is thinking you can just plug and play. Right you do have to adapt it for where you are. And that was the, the issue there uh, is that they went in thinking, okay, we'll just, you know, we'll just plug it in. Mm-hmm. And they really struggled. They learned a very valuable lesson from, from that experience. But managed to, I mean, I, I know sort of looking at other Disney parks around the world, they've mm-hmm. seemed to have, uh, have taken those challenges and, and accepted yeah. that, you know, how, how to get on with it. Yeah, exactly. If you go to any of the Disney parks, it has a Disney feel to it, but they've they've adapted it to that area, whether it's in China, whether it's in Tokyo, wherever it may be. Uh, Paris, you know, I, I've been to the one in Paris, and I think they've it, it's one of the most beautiful parks they have. Right. And again, they've had to adapt to the the environment, but it is a Disney experience. And that that's the that's the thing. People go and say, I, you know, the weekend, I one of my clients' uh, staff was going to Disney. I said, oh, fantastic! Can you, um, you know, when when you get over there, have a look at this? And, and she went, oh no, 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 I'm going to Paris. <laughs> I, thought, yeah. I just heard Disney and thought Orlando. Yeah, um, you're right. That, that's kind of what people do. They think of Disneyland and Disney World. Yeah, but is it is it the same without it being America? No, it, it's but it's not. Uh, that's not a that's not a problem i don't think i think right. the the idea is to connect that disney brand wherever you are in the world that, uh-huh. that people have access to the disney experience whether it's a theme park whether it's a a uh, a product a movie I think where it can be a challenge. Now, again, they're not asking me for my opinion on any of yeah. this. <laughs> sure. is how far can you go, but without diluting the special factor? Right. You know, how, it, you can almost some you can almost make it too accessible, and where it's not as special anymore. So that's a decision that I think they'll constantly have to be looking at is how do we make sure we don't dilute the magic by making it so accessible? Well, we need people want you you want people to come away thinking, um, you know, I just had the time of my life. 
Um, and can't wait but, to come back. Yeah, but they're paying a lot of money for it. I mean, tickets to Disney these days are, are not cheap. They're not cheap, yeah. Nobody would ever accuse Disney of being a non-profit organization. <laughs> so it is, it is very expensive to go. And people save up for a long time. A lot of families, yeah. they save up for a long time. And this may be a one-time experience for them. This may mm -hmm. be it. So that's another thing that I think is important that any business can learn from Disney is you need to make sure your people know that while they may be serving 100 or 200 hamburgers a day or whatever the job is, for this person, this is it. Yeah. This is their moment with your company. And it's on the line. Everything is on the line. And so Disney's very good about the training process and reinforcing that, 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 yeah, this is an expensive experience. This may be a one-shot deal. You've been asked a hundred times today where the restroom is, mm -hmm. all of those types of things, but it's a moment for this, this guest. And they, they would teach little things like when, you know, looking at somebody's t-shirt that they're wearing and seeing what's on it and it mm -hmm. might be their favorite sports team or something like that and just making a little comment yeah, yeah. i love that team or how's your team doing or whatever it may be uh -huh. doesn't take any time doesn't cost a dime but it makes that moment of connection that relationship that i know you're very focused on that mm -hmm. whole relationship mentality so anytime you can do things like that i hear an accent and i say oh so where are you folks visiting from yeah you know, again, it's a moment. Didn't cost a dime. It's a, but it's a moment. And the point that I make is, while the big wows are great when we can do them, mm -hmm. the little wows are where the magic lie because little wows add up. Those little moments, those little touches of of, of wow, add up. So when you look at the overall expensive experience, the the where I think it the success comes from is as long as the guest feels like they got more value than the money they spent, mm -hmm. you've dramatically increased the likelihood that they're coming back and they're going to tell other people about it. So yeah, they raise prices, but they always are very, very careful in saying, but are we providing value that exceeds the price? It's it's quite a subjective thing in a world like Disney because yeah, in, in, in yeah. other parts, you know, you know, when you look at value, you see how much you actually have in your hands. Where, uh, you know, valuing experience is a very difficult thing. Mm -hmm. But you know when you get it, and you you know when you don't. Yep. You know, if you yep. go into a restaurant or a store or any business, you you there's a, while you might not be able to measure it, you have a feeling of this was a value-added experience, and and I'm going to come back. I'll, I'll likely come back yeah. versus the ones you go into, and <laughs> it was it was a transaction. It was mediocre. I might come back. I might not. Uh, but it, so while we can't necessarily put a number on that decision, mm -hmm. there is that quant there there is that qualitative feel of value versus price. Well, there's there's a very interesting th sort of 
piece to that as well in that I think we remember the price of the, if if we're comparing two expensive things mm-hmm. we remember the one that was we remember what we paid for the one that wasn't great mm-hmm. the one that was great I can't actually tell you if you said to me right now how much were the tickets at Disney you bought you this year with the with the family I don't know mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. give you a rough idea I can't remember exactly right but I could tell you when we took my mum out to a, a triple Michelin star restaurant for her 70th birthday and I didn't enjoy it I'll tell you exactly how much I spent yeah that's um, a and great it's, point so we do we do really um, I think that though people understand that it's expensive but you don't mind if it's great yeah you mind yeah. When, it, when it's not yeah and I, I, we were out there not too long ago with uh, with the family. I've got uh, two grandkids, and so we spent a lot of time at Disney World. And, <laughs> Fantastic! Uh, yeah. And I saw a guy with a T-shirt, and I had to take a picture of it. I said, "Oh, I, I please let me take a picture of it." And it was in that Disney script. the The wording on his T-shirt was in that Disney script. Uh-huh. And it, you know, you see so many of the shirts that say "Most Magical Day Ever." That's yeah. a very yeah. popular shirt. His said "Most Expensive Day Ever," <laughs> and I, I just I, I I loved it. And the reason I loved it yeah. is he had the biggest smile on his face he was having a fantastic time and i guarantee you he will go back but yeah. i loved that 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 t-shirt because of the smile on his face oh fabulous absolutely yeah. fabulous <laughs> disney's awesome but there are lots of other great businesses who mm-hmm. would you point to if we were going to say like let's pick one let's pick something they do that's really very special who, who would you think of and what would you pick well, there's a there's and I, I like to use examples of small organizations Great. for these things because there's the big icon ones, mm-hmm. Nordstrom Department Store, uh, Emirates Airlines. You know, the, there's the big ones, the Disney's of the world. Mm-hmm. But I like to use some of the the, the smaller organizations. There's a, a restaurant here in Orlando. They're a chain now, but it started here in Orlando called Seasons Fifty Two. Right. Marvelous restaurant, excellent food, but a lot of restaurants have excellent food. Mm-hmm. What makes them so good is, and it's just, a, you know, it's a restaurant like any other, is as good as the food is, the service is even better. Mm. They've trained their people to make you feel welcome the moment you park your car, or if you use the valet, the valet parkers do it. Uh, but the moment you walk into the restaurant, it's it's not do you have a reservation? It's welcome welcome to Seasons 52. Glad you're here. Have you been here before? It, it all begins with that as they're escorting you to the table. Mm-hmm. It's not just a task. They're, they're having a conversation with you that they then relay to the server that's going to be taking care of you. Mm-hmm. So if there's a special event happening, uh, you know, you're having a business meeting, you know, They'll tell the server they're having a business meeting, which means not a lot of interruptions. So they, they've orchestrated each moment mm-hmm. to add to the experience. It's a restaurant like any other, serves very good food, very, very good food, but it's a restaurant like any other. But they've, they've and I don't know if it's a conscious thing that they said, we're not selling food, we're selling an experience, mm-hmm. but that's definitely the way they've they've built it. And it's for my wife and I, it's our favorite restaurant in, in Orlando. We go all the time. It's our it's our favorite restaurant here. And we recommend it all the time. I bet you do. I bet you tell everyone. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I was I was interviewing some guys, which I haven't, haven't had the podcast yet, but I'm hoping to run a, a, 
a pub restaurant here called the Bottle and Glass. It's only a little place, but it's quite mm-hmm. well known. Um, and we went there for uh, well, we, me and my wife both work for ourselves. So instead of having a Christmas party with staff because we don't have any, we take mm-hmm. each other out for Christmas and we have a yep. Christmas lunch. <laughs> we met, we you have a little, so you, can, you have a little business meeting first, we, right? We yeah. just sit down and we have a, a glass of champagne <laughs> and toast the year. And I put a yeah. little thing on social media. I, I took a photo on Instagram and with a picture of Mandy holding a glass of champagne and said, "Oh, the uh, the James Nathan Experience and Dr. Mandy and Associates Christmas Party." Within about a minute, they'd picked up on that and they brought mm. some crackers to our table and said, we just saw that and we thought we'd you know, make your day a bit better. And I love so, it. So perfect. So we had a little yeah. chat with them and I've interviewed them. And, and one of the things they said, which I really loved, was in, in certainly in restaurants, says um, good service can make up for bad food, but great food mm-hmm. can't make up for bad service. That's and that's great, yeah. It's absolutely, absolutely true. Yeah. So when you look at the, the world-class organizations, going back to what you talked about earlier, it's a matter of scale. Mm-hmm. So, so the principles are the same for one restaurant versus a chain of restaurants. And now this season's 52, they've grown. They've got, I, I can't remember how many they have now around the U.S., mm-hmm. but it's taking those same principles. So, so I, I, I think the for part of the learning for me is identifying those differentiating qualities as soon as you can, mm-hmm. so that as you're scaling, you can you can build those into uh, the expansion. I'm really conscious of time, Dennis. I, I could chat to you all day. I really could. Yeah, this um, has been great. So, I love so the I'm, you're I'm glad to, I'm having yeah. a great time. But yeah. let me ask you one question. Let me ask you the big question. Mm-hmm. What one thing, what golden nugget, what what gem of wisdom would you like to leave our listeners with that they could use in their businesses today to make them better for today and better for the years to come? Okay. What would sure. that be? What I would say is this, and it doesn't matter if we're talking about the, the business itself or if you're managing a department, uh, you, the same principle, is to sit down with your team in a team meeting or a series of team meetings and have this discussion. What are three things we would want our customers to say about their experience with us? You know, three things, because that really makes you focus in on that the differentiator, what's really important to the loyalty. What are three things we would want our customers to say? Like they paid attention to every detail. They made us feel important, whatever it may be. Get, get, have that discussion. Capture it on a flip chart or on a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. Then once you have that, because that's your brand now, that, that's your brand, whether it's your company or your department, then have the discussion. So what has to happen in order for, those, for our customers to say those three things? And it gets your people thinking about behaviors. What do I need to do to make, people say they made me feel like a VIP, you know, whatever my role is, made me feel like a very important person. Mm -hmm. So the first part, step one is what do we want our our customers to say, you know, about their experience? And then, okay, what has to happen in order for them to say that? Then you just keep reinforcing that over and over and talking about it and training about it and all of those things. And when I work with clients in my consulting work, that's usually where we start. Uh, do you know, I, that is just a fantastic piece of advice, and I hope people go away and do that right away. Dennis, it has been awesome chatting with you. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Oh, it's been my pleasure. My pleasure. This was very, uh, again, I really enjoyed this, this conversation. Great. Thanks so much, and uh, I look forward to chatting to you again. Hope so. Yeah. 
I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Only One Business Show and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts and in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.